man, people crazy out these streets, bro. I've been grinding since I was like 15 with this music, bro. I've heard that I can't please everybody. And there's been a lot of love, but there's also been misunderstanding, hate, and this box they put me in. And it makes them uncomfortable if I'm not in it. DJ KJ. And I ain't in it. Whoa, What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Out Went Out. I'm Annie. And um, we're going to continue our discussion with Alex Stone. Um, if you listened last Wednesday, we um, had a discussion on what we're calling an urban dictionary. And we kind of just broke down the biblical definition of justice and talked about what exactly racism is. Um, and, and we just kind of went into detail on those topics. Um, today, we're, we're going to continue... Um, discussion on kind of defining these terms and giving examples and helping us dig deeper so that you guys can have an understanding as we continue to go forth in this series um, discussing and using these terms. All right. Um, so when we hear the terms systemic racism or systemic oppression, what does that mean? And I'll start with you, Alex. So and I'm getting this definition from the Portland Therapy Center. Um, it's always important to cite your sources, people. Yes. <laughs> Got to. As a former journalist, amen to that. Hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So um, they say that systemic oppression, be it racist, patriarchal, or cultural, can have a strong and negative impact on uh, the life and sense of self. Uh, systemic oppression refers to the mistreatment of people within a specific group supported and enforced by the society and its institutions. So that is their definition. And then I'll kind of break it down from there. Okay. So when I think about systemic oppression for myself, um, I think about all the systems in place, like it says, that is supported or they're enforced um, to have a negative impact on black people in this nation, mm. right? And so we can look, um, I think the three probably main things that people hit on when they're talking about systemic oppression is obviously slavery. Okay. And then after that, it was Jim Crow. And then after that, it was um, uh, mass incarceration. Okay. Right. Uh, those are the three kind of big things that normally come up in conversations when people talk about systemic oppression mm-hmm. um, and, and social justice. I mean, you know, you can throw police brutality in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of goes into the whole mass incarceration thing, the kind of third uh, series, I guess, if you will. I don't think series is the right word, but the, the third mm-hmm. um, uh I, I, I kind of want to just call it a sin. The third sin. The that third was sin. That's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was done against black people in this country. Um, so, um, so yeah, these are systems that were created, uh, you know, born out of racism. Um, so I like to think about racism as a catalyst that led into these systems. Um, these people took their prejudice and power and with that, they created uh, systems and put things in place um, to negatively harm black people in this country. You know, right. slavery. Um, they literally used forced labor to build their wealth and to maintain their wealth. You know, even, you know, post-proclamation, uh, Lincoln, you know, Emancipation Proclamation, 
um, there was still, you know, um, there were still things in place where people, black people, were still not able to have their full rights mm-hmm. as as citizens within this country, as human beings. You know what I'm saying? So you you look at Jim Crow, you know, where people were segregated, uh, you know, not having the same resources to to education, mm-hmm. not having the same. Uh, resources for financial stability um just an unequal footing mm-hmm. you know people um don't realize how unequal it really was um for blacks in this country yeah um and for them to still overcome all of that um is a real testament to just the black spirit in this nation um mm-hmm but um yeah i mean this is where um you people can kind of uh choose i guess what lane of social justice they want to be in right they can be in the i want to educate people uh about um you know systemic oppression and racism and and make people uh join the movement right Mm -hmm. and then there's people who i want to take on these systems and totally tear them down right uh and that's where you can get into like policy changes and 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 the politics and being like a civil civil servant and and taking on these these bigger kind of overarching systems Mm -hmm. um that have been allowed to prosper in this country um and so I think it's important for people to know what it is and define it so they can actually see, you know, how these systems got put into place, what these systems actually are and what they look like. Um, People associate, um, like, um, let me think, like redlining districts and stuff like that, you know, as far as like who's able to vote where Mm -hmm. and what district you're in and, you know, how much your vote counts in what area of whatever well that's the system that was put in place right like people are in this certain district so they can't influence this other certain district x y and z um you know this is how you know ghettos were created basically you know what i'm saying like oh let's make a system and put all rich wealthy white people over here and let's put black and minority people over here right and they can have their own you know resources but then we're gonna have our resources and stuff like that and it's like this is where like those generational kind of curses come into play right Right. because i've been in this system all my life this is all i know or was allowed to know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and so how do i get out if this is all i know you know what I'm saying like Michael B. Jordan recently came out with a speech where he was talking to a bunch of protesters and he was talking about um, you know how um, people can become victim of their own of their own uh, mentality Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that white people have tried to um, you know post um, post uh, slavery post Jim Crow try to still keep black people in line through uh, the mentality of themselves mm-hmm. and what they're allowed to do and not to do and what resources they're allowed to have and not allowed to have uh, and that's why 
black people in this country have pushed so hard for the education rights um, for so long. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brown versus Board. Um, you know, not desegregating schools because in segregated schools, even though you were allowed to go to a school, you didn't have the same resources as the white people in the country. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You had the secondhand literature and the secondhand books, and a lot of the a lot of times those books, you know, got torn through or you know they didn't have the right information. It was all done on purpose, right? Right. So it's like oh. So this is why people who are in like politics and how and politicians and people who want to make these changes, this is why our vote's so important mm-hmm. to break down these systems because we got to put people in place to actually that can make policy changes and to, and and to change the systems and break down these systems um, that fully understand like how everything works. Um, so that's another part of like activism that I feel like. Uh, people should get involved in they should educate themselves in if you're passionate about like use your gifts you know what I'm saying use your gifts that God gave you if you have a natural ability to understand policy like run for something you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like we gotta have people in place to be able to break it down um, so we can actually see changes like people are talking about um, how do we reform you know the big topic right now is police brutality mm-hmm. that's against black people well you know what kind of fu- how is the how are the police funded right now okay let's break that down okay well how do we change that okay well how do we get racism or racists out of the police force yeah. you know and how do we make sure that they stay out of the police force because that's been a huge issue these people have been fired out of one police district but then they're rehired the district next to them you know what i'm saying yeah and then then the record the police record either gets lost or they say oh it's only you know that only pertains to the district they were in this is a whole new district it's like getting slate uh wiped clean you know it's like a fresh start well you know should those records you know follow that person should the person even be allowed to be rehired if they've shown an excessive use of force against black people you know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be some form of accountability uh, within these systems because they haven't had accountability in so long. Yeah. Um, and so, and we can talk about, um, and this is kind of getting long winded, and I'm trying not to be, but it, <laughs> it, it's deep. You know what I'm saying? It's deep. There's yeah. a lot of different levels that kind of go into everything. Um, so I guess, you know, I put a period there. And then, and then we can move on, and I'll let uh, I'll let Nick kind of jump in as well. Yeah. Um. So, I guess coming out of that note, um, actually, I like I watched a video earlier of um former football player Emmanuel Acho. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but um, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah, he's been out <laughs> the league for a little while. Um, but now he's um an activist and stuff, and he started I forgot the name of it, but some type of um. It's not a podcast, but like he's doing these videos where he's just explaining things. And today, he was talking a little bit about um, systemic oppression, and then kind of talking about white privilege. And he almost he kind of used a few analogies. One of them that I think will uh, resonate with most people is like basically just essentially whites have a head start in a race. 
Um, and so, Nick, from your perspective, what does white privilege look like? Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, if one I always go to is, you know, working with the youth in the area we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple conversations with some moms how, you know, they have to coach their, their, their young men, or the children, their yeah. kids. Yeah. They're, they're not grown men. They're 15, 16 years old. They're boys. Yeah. Um, and how they have to, like, black moms I'm talking about here, mm-hmm. how they have to, they have to educate their children, their young men, again, how, when they get pulled over, or when they get pulled over, it's not an if, yeah. um, how to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to, you know, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Um, yes, sir. This trying, like all these things. I don't have to do that. Yeah. With my son, like that has never been a thought. Man, I got to teach Luke what to do when he gets pulled over. Mm. The only thing I'd have to teach Luke what to do is not to act like his father and be a big jerk. <laughs> so, but also there is a privilege. Yeah. Um, because I can be a jerk. Um, and I have been a jerk and I'm not getting thrown to the ground. I'm not getting thrown in handcuffs for that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that goes on to, I think, I, I don't know if I shared it before on the podcast or not, but like when me and somebody, um, we went to the zoo with our families mm. and this little cop, for some reason, was feeling himself this day and tried to challenge me. Mm. And uh, I'm pop, I pop off. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a gun all day, buddy. You got to shoot me. Right, right. Um, but again, like he's just, he's mouthing off. He said all the, man, he, he got off the train and called me a, he called me a B. Oh, wow. And I'm literally ready to run off. I'm running off the train. My wife and this other individual like go come back come back come back yeah um and then once i got once i got done um this individual who we were with basically he's like he's like bro he's like the way you were mouthing off to that cop man he's like there's no way i could get away with that he's Mm -hmm. like i would have got like that dude would have had me down the ground quicker than a blink of an eye yeah um so stuff like that um and even there was a show um i think it my wife started watching it's called Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, and there is a scene. They're in, you know, they're at the Outer Banks, which is pretty white. Right. Uh, but there is this black, this black, young black dude, and him and his dad. You know, they've made way on the on the island and all that. And there's a scene where they all got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um. And this 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 black kid, he was. I mean, he was going places. And I remember they all got in trouble, and his dad pulled him aside and said, "Son." You got one chance. That kid, those kids that you hang out with, those white boys and that girl, they've got four or five chances um, to make it, to mm. fall flat and do these kind of things and get arrested. You don't have that chance. Right. You have one shot. You mess it up, it's over. Yeah. And it's just again that therein lies the privilege for those. Endo- like that was a show, but mm-hmm. that's some, there's truth to that, and that's a reality. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's kind of like in my mind when I think about privilege, like it's that kind of stuff. And that again, the white voice is louder in certain arenas mm-hmm. than the black voice than or any other person of color's voices, which is a that's a problem. That's a huge problem, but yeah. it's a privilege and it's for white individuals to recognize that and to utilize it to bring change, yeah. to give the voice to the black person or any person of color. Um, yeah, so I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but that's kind it, of my- no, no, it did, and um, I can kind of like speak on a little, kind of like double down on the, uh, the part you were talking about with black moms mm-hmm. and and how they have to educate their son, their sons. Yeah. Um, obviously, I have a black mother, yeah. and um, you know, I think part of like how a lot of black mothers they get stereotyped as uh, being aggressive parents and um, as being just 
super super um disciplinarians and i think part of that is is just that fear of their black children um are already behind and so you have to be extra cautious the way that you act you have to be extra cautious and cautious in the way that you speak um so like i know like personally like my mother even growing up um you know she would always tell me yes sir you would say yes sir yes yes ma'am to not only white people but black people but she taught me this specifically so that you know um i I treated people with with respect and um you know she taught me to make sure that i you know spoke the right kind of way um making sure that uh i i take extra intention on trying to do well in school um taking extra intention on when i do get in trouble not being the one that talks back i think that's another thing like black black moms like you don't talk back to your black mom or you're going to die basically <laughs> <laughs> like i mean um, even to the point where like saying what back at your parent like that is not i, I see a lot of like people and children who do that nowadays and i'm like i could never say what back to my mom <laughs> she would kill me just for saying that um so it's it's just stuff like that where they they really discipline you um and teach you um to make sure that you're extra cautious with these things and then from so from that's from a black mother's standpoint but then like as you grow older now you have this in the back of your mind that you're already behind the curve you're behind you know as, as far as far as the power structure of things and so you have to be careful on the way that you conduct yourself and and handle yourself in the workplace um the way that you handle yourself um anywhere where the hierarchy is white um you have to be careful and so like i know personally for me um there are times where not not necessarily am i afraid to speak up but there are times where I um, kind of will be, remain silent if, um, like, for example, um, something is is going left um, in, I guess, like a community of, um, I'm, I'm going to just say church. Let me just be real. I say church. Um, where, like, your leadership is white, and so you're afraid to um, speak up. Um, that's a fear for, for black members because... Um, it's 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 been so for all of our life we have had that issue of your hierarchy being white and you can't say what's on your mind or else you're you're the person that's going to get in trouble for speaking your mind so one thing that i have been telling uh my white brothers and sisters in christ recently is to be the person that breaks down those walls so that um your black brothers and sisters in christ can feel that freedom to come to you um and then also this this goes to the to the point even in church where it's important to have blacks in positions of power so that way they have some bit of um inkling to actually speak up on on these issues and stuff um as a black male that's a feeling that we have and so as white people i just encourage you to be um the person who breaks down those walls and yeah. comes to your black brother or sister and um and just helps that person feel more comfortable in speaking up. Yeah. Amen. Alex, you have anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just say this. So you guys 
you know, said everything that needed to be said, um, breaking down what white privilege is, the perspective um, uh, as a black male in this country. Um, so I, um, that was great. Uh, I think the only thing that I could probably add uh, in regards to like breaking down white privilege to a very, very basic level mm. um, is just um, you have the privilege of maintaining your innocence for as long as you want. Mm. Well. Um, and not just in like the court of law. I'm just talking from a basic level of humanity. Um, you get to be a kid when you're a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, black people, um, and I'm not trying to speak for black people, I'm just sharing what knowledge I have from stories I've been told, and even my own personal stories. Like, every minority and black person in this country can remember the first time they experienced racism. Mm. And I can remember it as plain as day. I can remember how it made me feel I can remember what grade I was in. I can remember how I tried to tell my parents about it, but that they didn't understand it. And my situation is different because I'm adopted. And my parents were white. Yeah. Um, but everybody, every minority and black person knows what that feels like. And white people have the privilege not to ever have to experience that in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And that's a, that's a hurt. And that's a, that's a pain that never really goes away. Um, it's just something that you can come to terms with and you kind of live with. But there are moments uh, as we get older where we go come into situations, like Manny said, in like the workplace, um, and where, the, where that where that feeling comes up again. You know what I mean? Like we're taken back to that moment when we were first felt like we were less than mm-hmm. and I feel like white people like white people y'all got the privilege not to have to feel that way yeah. you know and that's like the most I think that's the most basic thing I can say and the most thing that probably they can relate to the most mm-hmm. and hopefully that breaks your heart and you start to feel and empathize with minorities and black people in this country because um, we could talk about how much privilege you have from like a socio-economical standpoint, right? And how you're always ahead of the curve or you always have the ability to bring yourself out of, you know, um, poverty. Right. Um, but I think it really benefits you more that if I say you have the privilege never to ever have to feel less than if you don't want to. Now, that's not to say like, if you come from an abusive home or anything like that, but like those emotional scars, I feel like we can all kind of have a common ground on, you yeah. know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I'll just say that, like, if you want to feel, if you want to understand like white privilege, think about that, like emotional scar with whatever it is. And then understand that black people and minorities in this country share that same emotional scar but it's a little bit deeper. Yeah. Alex, um, you just hit that dead on, bro. Mm-hmm. And oh, and that's exactly why, like, my heart breaks this way. Mm-hmm. Um, is because, like, when you, you brought up the abusive, home, the abusive home, like, I had an authority figure in my life who abused that power. 
who you know who wrecked havoc on me made me and literally made me feel less than mm. um and which is why from an early age that like you know seeing that in my household could have me feel for my brothers and sisters and like now and again not on the same level um but it gave me a way to to understand and to see a little glimpse yeah. of what the everyday life is like right. in a system that is built on keeping you down mm-hmm. um does that make sense like because like when you said that like that kind of like and again i'm not like that doesn't make me you know yeah yeah like that just helps me and it kind of has propelled me on why i am so, like i do want to fight against this and i do mm-hmm. want to call this out because it's kind of like how god's wired me at this point mm-hmm. um and i always wonder like man why'd you why'd you put me through that god <laughs> um but you know in, in hindsight it's kind of helped develop this for me yeah so and uh and so on that point i just thought about this and i'm sorry for keeping keep like throwing curveballs i you love curveballs but uh <laughs> Um, so the flip side of that, like now, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but in the civil rights movement, as white people started to step up and join in, that kind of helped progress the movement. Am I correct with that? Yeah, I was, yeah, it did because they started to see like the sense of solidarity and stuff like that. Yeah. So, Um, so where I'm going with that is. Now, today, mm-hmm. we need our white people to basically use their privilege to mm-hmm. speak up because for so long, us black people, us minorities in general, have not been heard. So, how can um, white people speak up, speak up well, and... And then, um, and then I guess how we can also kind of uh, angle it this way: of how can us minorities, as blacks, help educate um, white people so that they can empathize and also understand fully how 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 much deep pain we have felt, and now how to go out and uh, preach against this. Um, I'll start with Nick, and then I'll come to you, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I was processing my answers like, oh, Alex is going to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, how white people can speak out against this and yeah. use their privilege, I think it's uh, it's calling it like it is. Okay. Um, like for me, um, like when I see something that's not right, like you better believe I'm calling it out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I, I mean, this might be, again, back to the Enneagram because I'm always going, like, <laughs> I'm going to challenge anything and right. everything. So. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it is calling out and whatever pastor, um, CEO, whatever you are utilizing your voice and your privilege to speak out against racism, to speak out against that, but to also utilize that. And like, I think you even talked about earlier is making sure that your, your stat, if you're a church, if you're a church or wherever, CEO Mm -hmm. of a company, making sure that you have people of color in high positions, Mm -hmm. um, and I would even go to say having someone, a person of color in training to take your position. Wow. Um, because again, like what kind of legacy are you trying to leave? Yeah. You know, I, ha- I hear all day, you know, you hear all day like, oh, I'm going to hire this black person to do this. I'm mm-hmm. going to hire him or this Hispanic to do that. Like, okay. But who, and when all the people who might take your job over are the same color as you though. Yeah. Um, so that, like, let's look, let's really look at it here. Like what can you do to you and to, have a complete culture shift Mm -hmm. in your workplace, the business you own, the church you run. And just, and and again, like if you're in that position of power, 
really starting to utilize that and to figure out, okay, how can I have a culture shift here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that what what was there was a, that was like a two parter. What was the other part? Yeah. So the other part, just um, how I guess from from your stance. Uh huh. So, black people, black people need white people to speak out. Yeah. But white people need black people to really help educate them on this. So, from from your perspective, like how how is that practically done, and what does that start with? Calling someone out. Yeah. If you if you like I fully expect like for you man for all my <laughs> other boys like to call me if I'm doing something wrong or I say something that's out of line call me out yeah um you know that gets into the white fragility like man put that aside like put your feelings aside yeah. for a moment <laughs> but uh and I'm pretty good at like being able to put my like because if I, I want to know if I'm like if you genuinely love me yeah um you will call me out um and I think that goes for you know for black people or any person of color like if you have white friends or and people white people in your circle like if you genuinely love them and you care for them, yeah. put them straight. Yeah. Um, keep it real with them. Like, don't don't beat around the bush. Like, let them know. Yeah. Um, hey, bro, what you said offended me. Like, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a. I think that in that in that sense, that's how you can really come alongside. Yeah. And I think it also, oh, man, it really comes back down to white people though, mm-hmm. to shut up and listen. Yeah. Um, like that's all I keep coming back to is because I've seen so many white people want to have all the answers mm-hmm. want to feel like they're right um be defensive be deflective so on so on you know right. what i mean like right. just which is not communicating love like we talked about recently you know yeah. it's you know i think kb said it best he's like you know it, people have a hard time deciphering the difference between love and listening yeah because when you're being listened to you feel an overwhelming sense of love from that individual mm-hmm um, and again, not just listening to cut them off and tell them they're wrong, but listening to genuinely hear what right. they're saying and to believe what they're saying and to move forward in that, in that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, yeah, that's good. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And while you were saying that, like, Alex, I kind of started thinking of like, I don't know if this, this kind of taps into white privilege, but just the, 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 the audacity i guess of white people to think that they know it all (laughs) it all it almost that kind of comes back to that white privilege yeah and as christians right like you gotta lay that down yeah you have to be willing to sacrifice things and to like nick said shut up and listen yeah like it's 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 that clear you know cut um so alex alex thought on thoughts on that yeah so i think it's um I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword and there's a thin line um on on some things that i want to want to point out so it is important for for white people to speak out um against injustice and to use their voice uh and to uh, call out other white people and you know we've been preaching and and saying we need your help you know we can't do it without you um but at the same token it is it's also irresponsible for white people to start to think that they can speak on behalf. Mm, yeah. um, uh, and I, I think it's a thin line because, uh, you know, and, and, you know, white people who are learning and, and non-black people of color who are learning to, um, you know, I'm, I want to include like, you know, the Asian American community and stuff like that. As we, you know, still show solidarity, like, yeah. let's not get it. Let's not get it twisted. Okay. We want to amplify black voices. Yes. Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to um, take over for black voices. Yes. That's good. You know what I 
mean? Like, I've been in social justice game for like four years now, right? Mm-hmm. And by no means am I an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, every day I'm trying to learn. Like, I hate it when people think that they have plateaued in this area, right? That I, I know about, you know, I could define all the terms and I know about the struggle and, yeah. you know, I know about... Uh, I know more uh, about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and, you know, they got all the names, you know what I'm saying? They can break down all the, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But at what point have you become self, self-absorbed self and narcissistic? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, well, now you're saying you're the expert, but you're not the expert. Right. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, all we should be trying to do is amplify black voices. Yes. Amen. And and all we should be trying to do is change the things that would help that process. Mm-hmm. So amplifying black voices, what I mean, well, give them a platform, yeah. allow them to freely speak their minds. Mm. And I'm not just talking about in corporate America. I'm talking about the church. Amen. Too. You know what I'm saying? That's like, right. let's have a dialogue about that for a minute. Like, all these multicultural churches love to say they're multicultural, but when was the last time that a person of color, and specifically a black person, a black person, was allowed to truly express themselves fully within that church? Yeah. And it kind of goes back what you were saying, Manny. It's like, well, I gotta think about it because one, it's uncomfortable for me to go through my trauma, mm-hmm. and. Cause it, cause it is, and I don't know if people understand that. Like, yeah, whenever you wanna, like, I wanna, we, we, we share stories and stuff like that. Like, people who wanna be like, oh, I don't understand, like, what it's like to be black. Can you help me understand? Like, that means you're putting that person, that black person, in a position where they have to relive trauma. That's okay, true. so one, you need to be sensitive to that, and not try to um, put them on some kind of pedestal to be tokenized yeah you know what i'm saying well because we wouldn't do that with someone who got raped yeah i don't understand what it means to be raped so please explain it to me like you're not doing that yeah that and alex real quick that's another term right there that i think you should uh kind of uh give a definition to tokenize and tokenism okay yeah so basically tokenize or tokenization of black people is exactly what i was trying to what I said, like putting mm. a black person in a in a predominantly non-black community, mm-hmm. and then saying, "Hey, look, look at my black friend. You know, look at yeah. let him share with you. You know what it means to be black, and you're making this person like the full representation of of black culture, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> one that, that's racist. Yes, okay, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Because you're using your power to put this person in a harmful position. Mm. And sec- like we got to be conscientious of this, people. And church especially, because church is kind of... It's kind of like where this happens the most. I don't know if I want to say that. Uh, I mean, Yeah, I mean, I would agree. you wouldn't be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you would not I mean, be wrong. I mean, it's... Okay, let's be real. It kind of is where this kind of mostly happens within multi-ethnic churches, yeah. right? There's always the black uh, worship leader, right? I mean, mm. 
but yet we don't ever play gospel music. But so why are we front and center? But yet we're playing music that's not inherently black. Mm. It's like, well, you know, why are the why we have black people on all the flyers and on the websites if we don't see or hear them at the church? Yeah. But yet we're multi ethnic and multicultural and we're all, you know, this body of Christ. Like what do you what do you what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, you're tokenizing the black people in your congregation to make yourself look and feel better about how much white culture is ingrained in your church culture. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. and that's that's okay. But we need to realize that's what we've been doing. And if we've been ignorant, well, now let's learn and be better. And like we've been saying, repent, mm-hmm. turn away from it completely, and then we can start building and cultivating a new culture that fully embodies Christ and fully embraces black people as equals and as humans. Yeah. And I think if we start there and we can humble ourselves as leader, white leadership within churches, then maybe we can actually be the multi-ethnic, multicultural church that we want to be. Mm-hmm. And this, again, it kind of goes back to systemic oppression because some denominations of the church were used to oppress black people in disguise of organized religion. Mm-hmm. And nobody seems to want to talk about that or um, become accountabil- accountable to that because it's almost seem as like ungodly, I guess, or unchristian like. Mm-hmm. But we got to be honest with like ourselves as Christians you know the only person that was perfect was Jesus and God right so we're automatically Mm -hmm. flawed and then it's by the blood of Christ that we're renewed and that all of that everybody knows that right Mm -hmm. so let's let's I mean come on let's do that let's actually do that and not just think that we're doing it like we got to be honest with ourselves and it's fine like it's fine to be honest and accountable and said look this is where I was led astray and this is where I've allowed myself to get to but again we repenting turn away no longer being that way and then starting new yeah. um, it's just the whole genesis of the of the of scripture mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's the whole thing yeah. come on so let's just do that let's just do that and if it's gonna be uncomfortable but that's what growth is about yeah you know scripture talks about peeling away the things and tearing away the things of your flesh that you don't need so you can be the best version of yourself mm. and truly embody christ right yeah. so this is just one of those things you know being anti-racist is just another one of those things you mm. know being able to notice your white privilege and deal with your white fragility is just one of those it's just one of those things that we have to do yeah um so it's not that hard 
if we put it, I think if we put it in that context, um, but like, it's going to take work, mm-hmm. genuine work. And like, and to follow up with your second point, um, like we have to, as minorities, I don't, it, that's a kind of a double-edged sword too. Cause it, one, we want to extend grace, but two, it's also not our responsibility to teach people about racism either. Yeah. To a degree. Like, you should want to learn and want to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't be forced to. Um, because I can only do so much as your friend, minority, you know, black friend, Asian friend, whatever. Yeah. Um, there comes a point where you actually have to want to and have a thirst for the justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yes, let's lean on each other, but also let's take responsibility for ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, and I think um, that's a good stopping point for that. Amen. If that all makes sense. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good, okay. <clears throat> and um, yeah, what you just said uh, that that thirst mm-hmm. for justice, I think, segues well um, into where we're going to land this plane. Um, we've we've talked about this, I think, um, in last week's episode um, when defining justice of um, just that that great commandment of love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and likewise love others and um and so you know these this racism injustice all of this stuff a lot of that is not love Mm -hmm. it's i mean all of it is not love um but um you know there are some people who have racism in their heart who believe that well i love my neighbor you know yet you're you're doing i guess what we what we defined in our previous episode of microaggressions um you know or you're still having um you know that racism in your heart um so i think it's important for us to give biblical definition to what true love is and so i'm i'm going to start with nick and i know we have like i guess I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit more, but yeah, start with Nick with that. We're going to talk about the loves, that the four loves. You want me to do that? Yeah, man. You Okay. Yeah, I think you can start us off on that one. Okay. Yeah, so in the Bible, um, love is used plenty, yes. but um, there are different meanings for love in different areas of the Bible and, and where it's used. So um, I'm going to start with... Uh, most of the ones that you actually see actually mostly in the Old Testament. You see some of these in the New Testament, but there's one in particular that you see for the most part in the New Testament. We'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Eros, that kind of stands for more so the romantic kind of yeah. love. Uh, you know, husband, wife, we don't have to, I think everybody understands yeah. what that is. It's a romantic type love, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then Phila, which is your friendship kind of love yeah. uh, between your boys your homeboys or if you're a female between you know your girlfriends and stuff that's not for you jerry dobbs it's okay to tell us you love us man yes (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, and uh, we got Storhe, which is the affectionate kind of love. And so now, this is the big one. And if you grew up in a church, you probably know this this word. Um, but this is the one that you get when anytime Jesus is talking about love, specifically that great commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love others. And um, it's, it's used often in the New Testament. And this, this word is agape. Um, agape is charitable. It's the highest level of love. Um, it's a godly love. Um, it's, a go- it's a love without conditions. Um, you know, as all the other ones that we just stated, they come with conditions. You're not romantic with just anybody. You're not friends with just everybody. You're not affectionate with just everybody. But agape love is the love that God has bestowed upon us. He, that's the love that he has put inside of us. That's the love that we are required as Christians to render out. Um, so, yeah. Nick, you want to double down on that? Yeah. So, I know when we're breaking down these loves, um, I think we, and really in regards to this, you know, we, what's the feel of love for a friend, right? Yep. Um, I think, especially in the body of Christ, we really need to have that storge type mm. love for one another, that yeah. family. Like we, we, we genuinely view ourselves all a part of God's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's different than a friendship. Right. Um, because I think it even says like, it's a, it's an affectionate type of love. Yeah. Like if I genuinely view, view my brother, like my black brothers and sisters, my Hispanic, but like as my family, mm-hmm. I will genuinely, I'll think differently. Um, I'll, you know, we'll approach things differently than, you know, just as a friend. Right. Um, and not to say that, you know, feel that love isn't bad. Like mm-hmm. it's biblical. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like in the church body, we really need to embody that storge type love mm-hmm. for one another, especially in times like these. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, agape love, like we've been given unconditional love by God himself. Like yeah. that is, it's out of that abundance in which we can, we can only love others anyway. Amen. Um, so yeah, that's why I, as you were talking, I'm really thinking, it's like, man. Story of love is what we really need right now. Yeah. Um, we really need to start viewing each other. And again, in the Imago Day, God's mm-hmm. image mm-hmm. Um, and how we are all a part of his family now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got for that. Amen. Amen. Uh, Alex, your thoughts um, on what true love is? Yeah. So with that, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is just authenticity. Yeah. Um, and being authentically um, like in love with our brothers and sisters, our yeah, black yeah. brothers and sisters specifically. Yeah. Like standing in the gap for them. That's like right. willing to sacrifice like my well being so that they will be unharmed. Um, and unharmed like physically, uh, unharmed emotionally, unharmed, you know from a society standpoint mm-hmm. like it's gonna take that like conviction and that love to fully uh progress the movement and make change yeah. and i think it's important um that people understand that because the the one thing that i'm starting to put uh since we've been defining terms in this series mm-hmm. uh here's another term um that I have come to uh, realize and put in my vocabulary is performative activism. Mm. Um, and so this is for those certain people who 
you know, jogged, uh, you know, for Ahmad. Hmm. These are for certain people who put the black square on their Facebook page. This is for certain people who, you know, will say uh, or, or will post something about social injustice or about, you know, yeah. the tragedies against Ahmad and George and Brianna. Yet, that's as far as they go. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. If you're not going the extra step of calling um, congressmen or a town or attending town halls or speaking up within your community against violence against black bodies, mm-hmm. well, then it's just all an act. You're just performing it just so you don't get called out on it right. or just so you feel good about yourself, but you're unwilling to take that next step uh, for, for growth. Um, and so I think it's important that we be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's coming from a place of love that if I'm calling you out on it, it's because I want you to be the very best person that you should be. Yep. Um, and I don't want you to basically be telling a lie on yourself, right? Because yeah. if you're my good Christian friend and, you know, you say all lives matter or something like that, <laughs> or... You know, you post the black square, but yet I don't see you signing up for this racial injustice class in my church. Mm. That's that's a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to out you, but I'm also I'm just being accountable. Yeah, that's right. That's good. I'm just I'm just being accountable for you. So I think the kind of love, and I'm sorry, my my daughter just woke up. Hi, Hattie. Dad life. Um, I think. That that's the kind of love that we need is that accountable, intentional love to where we're not afraid to, in the, in the room, where we're not afraid to um, to hold each other to that standard. Yeah. Um, and that goes for everybody, you know, myself included. You know, I'm always 100 with you guys. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I ever, like, I'm out of pocket or I take, you know, I say something out of turn. Like, I know Manny would, like, A1 be the first one to say amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's right. And we, you know, we got to be cool with that. And, yeah. like, I demand that. You know, I, I want accountability, too, because it does me no good um, to be inauthentic. And yeah. it hurts the movement and it hurts the, the things that we're trying to get towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think when I think about love, I just think about that authenticity of, of what it truly means to to love and to care about one another. That's good. So, Alex, I'm just wondering when we're going to start our avert and laurel in your house, right? Right. Like, we, <laughs> you know, we're shifting the way we do things. And, you know, the more I hear you talk, I'm like, man, this dude's got it. Yeah. <laughs> avert yeah. laurel. That's right. <laughs> and I've got some crew out in Laurel that could use the uh, use some church in a, a family. So, Amen. Amen. <laughs> but I know we're probably getting ready to wrap up here. Yeah. Um, hey, Alex, I wanted to ask you, do you think they're um, – what are some resources, maybe video, movies, um, books that we could, our listeners could really benefit from if that, that are genuinely interested in educating themselves as well right now during the season? Um, um, yeah, I mean, uh, a couple books and resources definitely come to mind. I think uh, the new Jim Crow yeah. book um, by Michelle Alexander is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the 13th documentary on Netflix is Solid. good. That's 
first album. Um, I Am Not Your Negro is good, the book and the movie. Okay. Um, there's a lot. I mean, people can Google it. I mean, I know the big thing now is like Just Mercy yeah. is free for like the entire month of June. Which is good. Um, Michael B. Jordan's the man. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> uh, you know, Selma is good. I think it's free for the entire month of June as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, read and, and watch these things, um, and be humble Amen. when you do it. Um, and then follow up and ask questions like, like don't follow up and ask questions immediately. Mm. Like sit with it and yeah. process it. Yeah. Uh, because like I said, when you approach your, your black friends, your friends of color, like, again, they're going to have to relive trauma mm. and explain to you, you know, yes, these things did occur. This occurred to me. Uh, and just be mindful of that. Yeah. Because I know it's been a couple of weeks since the deaths of Brianna and Ahmad and George. But all of that is still fresh. Still. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And people are still processing and grieving and lamenting yeah. um, so just give people space or time um, if needed and mm-hmm. like just start from with a humble be like look I'm not trying to do it like be upfront about it yeah. you know what I'm saying like at least for me that's what I appreciate mm-hmm. like somebody's coming to me I'm like hey I really want to genuinely learn I'm not trying to like make you relive things or I'm not trying to, you know, be disrespectful and ask all these questions, but I'm just genuinely trying to learn and that goes a long way. Yeah. So Amen. I'll just, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think this discussion was helpful. And, um, you know, as we continue along with this series, um, you know, hopefully you guys can use this, um, these, this episode and, uh, the previous, um, part one of this episode, um, as a reference to kind of go back and just, you know, if you don't understand a word or what we're talking about, you can kind of go back to these and um, just have a full understanding on, you know, what we're discussing in the future. Yep. Yeah. All right. You know, Alex, we enjoyed it as always. Yes, sir. Love the insight, man. And um, we're looking forward to uh, moving forward with this series, you know, however the Lord leads us. Yeah. Um, but I just I pray that it reaches the right people. And I pray that those who are listening to this um, are listening to it with the right heart and and really open-handedly ready to receive. Yep. Yeah. All right. um, Just a reminder, guys, to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and um, or review on iTunes. Uh, it's really important, guys, if you want to, you know, stay along with this series to subscribe to us. So definitely consider doing that. All right. Thank you all. We'll see you guys on or talk to you guys on Friday. See you.